This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Oh, there's some trouble brewing in Michigan. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. I am Chris Carlin. I am in Indianapolis today. He is Joseph Anthony Arthur Fortenbaugh. I made up his middle names, and he appears today to be wearing the shirt that emulates some sort of 3D art. Joseph, how are you? Just a shirt with some colors. It's more of a Jackson Pollock-themed shirt. It's not based on him or anything like that. Those are just the colors for those trying to figure out at home what you are talking about. Why don't we lead Mm. with the fact that we smashed those Alvin Kamara props yesterday? That's what the show should be leading with. The group thread went nuts. It wasn't even halftime. We had the receptions. We had the receiving yards. Everyone very excited for that. Sure, the under didn't come through in the game, but that was a nice one for us. Well, listen. I mean, the, the odds makers took a beating on that one. Let's yeah. let's not be let's not lie. We'll get to what was an actual football game that we probably did not expect in just a little bit. But we want you to be a part of Carlin versus Joe Nation on the Dr Pepper call in line. That's eight 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 say ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six ESPN Nation presented by Dr Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of a nice cold Dr Pepper. The one fans deserve. Joe, we have got something cooking up in Michigan. We talked about it on the show a little bit yesterday, but the story is starting to blow up a little bit more. Uh, The University of Michigan, Jim Harbaugh, uh, being uh, investigated right now by the NCAA, by the Big Ten Conference, for violating a rule of in-person scouting for the purpose of attempting to decipher signs that other teams use. If it sounds familiar, it's because it's very much along the lines of Spygate, and I don't know that there's a video recorder involved here, but this is exactly what they were trying to do uh, with Spygate, and I have to tell you, Joe, like this to me is not surprising. Not that it's Michigan. It has nothing to do with it as Michigan. I think this is stuff that is rampant all over football, all over college football, all over the NFL. It has been for many, many years. It's been a great unspoken uh, knowledge that coaches have had, and they never speak of it publicly. And I'm frankly, I'm a little bit surprised that somebody clearly along the way had finally had enough and decided to turn it into the NCAA to get someone to look into it. Fascinating. Fascinating here, but not surprising because as we've come to know throughout the history of sports, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, right? Like how Mm. many people are doing it above board one way, shape or form? The steroid scandal in baseball, performance enhancing drugs in cycling and the Tour de France. Um, You have the sign ceiling in New England. You have deflate gate. You have stein ceiling in baseball. You have pine tar in baseball, sticky substances in baseball. Everywhere you look, someone's trying to get an edge why money it all comes down to money the more you win the more you make as a revenue for a program a team a city and for your individual salaries that is what drives people in this country winning championships yeah that's important but it comes with money so here we go we have a situation at michigan that's brewing well does it surprise anybody the program has gotten better and better and more consistent under jim harbaugh but but when they mm. truly measure up against the big boys from the South, there are issues. 
Harbaugh, do you know Harbaugh's won one bowl game? One postseason game in his yeah. entire career at Michigan. It was back in 2015. It was his first year they won the Citrus Bowl. Last year in a game they should have won against TCU, they got beat. The year before that, the semifinal against Georgia, they got walloped. Any little edge they can come away with, they're looking to gain because they know right now they have the team that's on the collision course with some of those big power programs for a potential spot in the playoff. So it doesn't surprise me in the least that they're being accused of trying to gain an edge. Here's Heather Dinich this morning on Get Up on why this Michigan story is such a big deal. It's not legal for coaches to go to other schools and scout. This isn't high school on Friday night. So, first of all, that's illegal. And so, when coaches throughout the Big Ten heard that this was the allegation, there were some comparisons to 2007 Patriots and Spygate. There are coaches saying, yes, every coach in the country will probably concede that people steal signs while watching video, but not physically getting up and sending staffers into opponents games to videotape things so there was definitely a spy gate comparison there's a couple of things to keep in mind here and that's a tough word to hear uh certainly because we know what came out of that and we know how it tarnished the patriots for quite some time number one we are already hearing of an individual named connor stallions who is connor stallions well he is a, a michigan staffer who is also, believe it or not, ex-military, who is, quote, a person of interest in the NCAA's investigation. That name gets out there because I think immediately, all right, maybe we're starting to identify who might be a fall guy here. You already have Harbaugh, which, of course, he's going to do, completely deny any knowledge of any wrongdoing in any way here whatsoever. Not speaking specifically about Jim, but let me talk in generalities when it comes to coaches and their programs. A coach knows everything that's going on in his program. Everything. And especially when it comes to this kind of thing. And if this was something that he did not know about, that would be shocking and It wouldn't be going on, and had he found out, which he most assuredly would, because how are signs that are being deciphered beforehand uh, not going to be forwarded up the chain of command when you're going into a game? Oh, we know what play's coming. This is what that means. Do you think a head coach doesn't know about that? Of course not. Just like I chuckled when Rick Pitino back in the day denied any knowledge of anything going wrong and completely pinned everything on his director of operations. You know what his director of operations does? Anything Rick Pitino wants him to do. That's the job. And so when when I hear this in regards to Harbaugh, it's not directed at him or his character specifically. It's coaches across the board. There is a reason that they are this paranoid, and they are this paranoid because this kind of thing goes on everywhere. Can I just share two brief stories with you? Number Define one, brief. Four or five <laughs> minutes apiece. Four or five minutes apiece uh, easily. Number one, I told you the Kirby Smart story about Nick Saban. When they split up and Kirby Smart was going to coach Georgia, as he was cleaning out his office, he went and took a picture of the recruiting board and sent it to all the recruits that were there saying, this is where Coach Saban has you. Oh, you're only ranked eighth. Come play for me at Georgia. 
That's Ooh. number one. I'm like, that's a rough one to do. That happened. Number two, and this is 25 years ago, okay? You know I do the games at Rutgers. Yep. At the Rutgers Complex, there is a, a large apartment building about, I'd say, three-quarters of a mile to a, between a half mile, three-quarters of a mile away. This is back in the late 90s, before I was even there. There was a an individual who was found working for a school in the Big East at the time with high-powered binoculars watching practice at Rutgers. And Rutgers at the time, we stunk. I mean, think about that for a second. A good program in the Big East at the time employed someone to go off in the distance and turn and use the high-powered binoculars to watch practice. I mean, this this is the kind of thing that goes on. So nothing about this surprises me at all. No, 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 no. The surprise would be if there was ever a breaking news story that a team in any sport was doing it all 100% above board. Right. Like college football for years has had to try to find a way around several different rules and loopholes pre NIL. How are you going to be able to pay and incentivize players to come play for you without getting caught? The fabulous 30 for 30 on SMU in the 80s and everything that was going on there. They weren't the only ones doing it. They just happened to be the most egregious to a point where they got caught in a big way. We don't know necessarily whether or not this is true at Michigan, but it's the type of story that's not going to surprise anybody. We're talking about money. The more games you win, the better positioned you are for a conference championship game, a major bowl game, or, dare we say, a playoff berth, which could lead to two games, one of which then becomes the national championship game. It's more money for the institution, more money for the conference more money for everybody associated with the program when money is your primary driving factor people sometimes lose sight of logic what's right and what's wrong they do what they need to do to procure the wins so that they can then procure the money so any program right now that's looking to gain an edge in any way shape or form it's not surprising at all to see, to hear that there's an allegation that a team would be sending someone to its opponents and the thing is it's not like it's an advanced opponent it's not like it's Ohio State that's happening in a few weeks or Penn State in a few weeks wasn't the report that it's some people that they could run into the playoff like almost insinuating a Georgia type team that they could face mm-hmm. we have to dig into that but I'm almost positive that the accusations are not just about Big Ten opponents on the upcoming schedule. Oh, no, but they're other college football that, playoff, too. Yeah, yeah, that teams that you would face in the playoff. And it does, wouldn't surprise me in the least, considering the way that two years ago Michigan got run over by Georgia, and last year in a game many expected them to win against TCU, they fell flat on their face and ended up losing that matchup. It was a great matchup, but they lost it. Looking for an edge to get over the top doesn't surprise me in the least. Now, here's what's really interesting to me. Is this what pushes Harbaugh over the edge and it go back to the NFL? Because we know that there have been different teams that have sniffed around that the last few years, and there's going to be openings, as there always are. Are the Chicago Bears going to push to go get Harbaugh? Remember, what did Pete Carroll do when he ran into the issues at, at USC? Ran for the league. Leave all the problems behind me? That's a you problem. That's not a me problem. And it worked out pretty well for Pete. I am not going to be stunned if we're talking about Jim Harbaugh as the head coach of the Chicago Bears next year. See, that's the thing. The, 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 the penalty is oftentimes enforced on people who have nothing to do with anything. Like, look at Arizona State, right? All those kids, yep. the coaching staff there, they're all getting punished for what happened with the previous regime. Like, those aren't the people you, you want to punish, but these aren't issues of legality most times. Pete Carroll flees. You're not 
not going to go slap some crime on him. It's an infraction based on NCAA guidelines. So, yeah, it would determine if Michigan's found guilty of something like this, what's the penalty? If it's like a three-year postseason ban with the with the playoffs getting ready to expand to 12 teams, if you're Harbaugh, you're not going to sit around through that. Recruits aren't going to want to come and play for you. The team's going to fall apart. That's going to land on you. You jump to the NFL. You coach there for a few years. You wait for everything to calm down. And then eventually you go back to college football and everyone's forgotten about it. It's Carla versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. Joseph, we get to some NFL on the way as well. There is a new contender in the AFC. (laughs) Maybe new to you, not so much to me. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Christian Kirk, 30, 25, 20, 15, 10. For the goal line! Touchdown, Jacksonville! And the Jags have retaken the lead! The ball is incomplete in the left corner of the end zone. The Jags take over on downs at their own six-yard line with 21 seconds left in the ball. So many guys, you know, on a short week battling injury to sacrifice that for the football team, you know, says a lot about the character of these guys. And I'm so proud of them. I was not expecting, you know, quality football last night. I don't know that you were either. Is that no, fair to say? Thursday night football. Well, but, but particularly with our two opponents last night, specifically the Saints, give them credit for actually turning it into a game. Yeah. It's Carlin oh, yeah. versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Joseph, the Jaguars winning last night, uh, I have to tell you, I was a little bit disappointed in the fact that they're out 24-9 and they let the Saints back into that game. It strikes me uh, that the Jaguars at this point, uh, just to go in there and get that win, was very much a... Go win a game that you're supposed to win, and it doesn't matter how it looks in the end. Ultimately, you were able to get the job done. And I, I think from that standpoint, do I think it's super impressive? Eh, 
okay, to me, you got it done. And that's what ultimately uh, determined it for me uh, last night when I'm evaluating them. They're now at five and two. And you know that I have been a Jaguars guy from the beginning this year. You have. You have been. Uh, got a little shaky there for you with the back-to-back losses. You thought about jumping ship. You did not. And now you are being rewarded Never for your loyalty. It. Never. Never considered it. And that's not what we once. do around here. We're loyal. We're loyal all yes. the way to the end. Um, yep. On one until hand. Until we're not. And this, yeah, until we're not. And then we will sell you right up the river, Deshaun Watson. <laughs> because yes. I really like that Cleveland team this year. And you are just killing me. Uh, on one hand, I'm shocked the Saints lost that game when you go inside the box score. They had 77 more total yards. They held the ball for 36 minutes in that game. They had one fewer turnover, two fewer penalties, and were losing pretty much the entire way in that game. Shocking to me that you can win the box score like that, and really you weren't all that competitive except for a few brief moments at the end. From a Jacksonville standpoint, I think that's a thoroughly impressive win. People will very quickly look at it and say, well, it's the Saints, you know, what big, big deal right this is still the nfl this is not ohio state playing akron at the beginning of the year it was a short week all right which is already an extremely difficult spot from a preparation standpoint and from a health standpoint your offensive line was banged up your quarterback was banged up you're on the road you're in the dome you're a two-point underdog everything was set up there for you to lose that game and you looked really good led most of the way and when it got away from you late you went out and you shut the door and brought down the curtain right on the saints and found a way to show that resilience all the way around carlin that was a thoroughly impressive win for the jaguars people will discount it because of the saints do not discount it because of the situation the niners just went to cleveland in a tough spot they couldn't find a way to get it done the eagles had a relatively tough spot against the jets couldn't find a way to get it done it's professional football teams will slip up in these spots all right we saw the lions slip up at home against the 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 seahawks it happens but for the jaguars to not allow that to happen last night with everything working against them very impressive win for doug peterson and company so i'm curious as to where this now leaves you with jacksonville as far as where they rank in the afc give me your top three teams afc right now kansas city number one i see no reason to move any team ahead of kansas city the offense might not be as scary as they've been in the past but they're still damn good and the defense has been very solid this year they haven't lost since week one which was against a good lions team team number two will still be the buffalo bills in my opinion i know people will say well look at the record look if you're one of those people who does a fake power rankings column but it's really just ranking the teams in order of their record that's not power rankings that's just standings all right I'm not necessarily overwhelmed by the standings. I like the Bills. I still have them two, and I have them just a hair above Miami, who's number three. Those two are basically 2A and 2B, in my opinion. Miami's been very, very good, but I saw them lose in Buffalo. And outside of that, they haven't had a marquee win. Dolphins go to Philly and win this week. We're having a different conversation on Monday. But those would be my top three in order. Kansas City, followed by Buffalo, followed by Miami. I still got Kansas City up top, and the reason is their defense is really, really good. I think it's even more than solid. Uh, As you said a few minutes ago, I think they are playing at an exceptionally high level right now. And that has not always been the case. They've been good before. They've made stops when they needed to before. But this is is a whole other level that they're playing at right now. And it kind of makes up for the fact that they haven't had as many playmakers of late. And don't sleep on the fact that they got Nicole Hardman back. That's that's a great trade for them to make considering how much he understands what they're trying to do already. Number two is the Dolphins, and I I don't know 
I, I mean, I guess you could point to the fact that the Bills beat the Dolphins already. I, I more look at the overall body of work, and I, I'm, I, I can't sit here and tell you that Miami isn't an explosive offense that is the second-best team in the AFC. I, I firmly believe that, and I, I'm not that far from calling them the best team in the AFC had it not been for the improvement of the Chiefs' defense this year. I think Miami's defense is underrated. Fangio's done a nice job. And then at the same time, I can't argue with anything they're doing offensively. I'll put Jacksonville third. I had a ball now. Absolutely. Listen, you know, as far as two teams that I have viewed very differently this year, you know that I was not high on Buffalo this year, and you know I was high on Jacksonville this year. Uh, The Buffalo thing, first couple of games, obviously didn't look great for me, but... I still watch Josh Allen throw the ball into perilous situations, and he is careless with the ball, and he hasn't gotten burned by it as much the last few weeks. And I also see Josh Allen afraid to run the ball, and he only does it when absolutely necessary. There is a nice in-between here. There is a way for him to run the ball but not have to take every single shot. It's called sliding. Look into it. And then they've got the Tredavious White and Matt Milano injuries, which are major, major factors for them. Uh, For me, when I look at Jacksonville, they're one of those teams, Joe, that we're going to say, you know what, the Jaguars, they peaked at the right time. They're kind of climbing right now. They've won four in a row at this point. Uh, Doug Peterson is an excellent coach. The Jags, you you know, you kind of outlined everything that they didn't have last night. I think you're going to see a team that later in the season is going to be hitting its stride. And, you know, nobody ever talks about Josh Allen that Josh Allen with Jacksonville uh, when it comes to the top pass rushers in the league. This is a guy that when they drafted him uh, should have gone a little bit higher. The Giants, can you imagine the Giants right now uh, thinking about the fact that they didn't take him and they took Daniel Jones? And now Josh Allen has seven sacks this season, and he's been a very, very good player for them, as opposed to Daniel Jones, who they are now on the hook for. Look, I, I think Overall, Jacksonville's a team that I would rather put my trust in than Buffalo. All right. I can understand that, especially with the injuries on the defensive side. Um, This is a team that's trending in the right direction. They're very well coached. They check the key boxes. You have a coach with Super Bowl experience who understands the locker room. And when you look at the two losses early in the season, they've rebounded very nicely from those. There are reasons. A lot of times you can look to a loss and you can find a really good reason for why a team went down. Buffalo losing to Jacksonville. That game was in London. Jacksonville was there for two weeks. They had the body clocks readjusted. Buffalo was coming across the ocean right after they had the huge win against Miami. Classic letdown spot there i'm not gonna ding buffalo for that jacksonville early in the season similarly didn't show up against kansas city and then had that sloppy loss to houston well they were without cam robinson their left tackle who was suspended for the first four games of the season they were still trying to work calvin ridley into the offense these things take time to see them progressing throughout the course of the season that's very very important because by the time we get to the playoffs that's where you want to be hitting your stride as you were alluding to this was a team that you could have bet them to win the division at like minus 120 for each of the last three weeks i talked about it on daily wager as much as i possibly could it made 
no sense to me why they were so cheap. Now, after last night's win, they're up to minus 165. So clearly the tides are turning. And if you win that division, which is very, very winnable, that means you get at least one home playoff game. And if you get one home playoff game, you got a chance to cook in the AFC this postseason. Carlin versus Joe presented by our good friends at Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. It is huge, huge sports weekend. NFL, college, baseball playoffs, UFC for Pete's sake. Big Massive UFC card. sports weekend. Huge. And then there's only one way to get you ready for all of it. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight. S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. We've got the odds. Want a bad? Oh, great. Is it a good bet? I like those odds. Or is it a bad bet? Take my money, take it off. Ah, Yes. It is always us looking out for you and presenting different possibilities, different propositions, if you will. And we present them with opinion to let you know whether we feel they are a good bet or a bad bet. We are mixing it up today, Joe. We are throwing caution to the wind. We're taking a swing, and it may be an irresponsible one at that. Eric Hanman today will be hosting Good Bet, Bad Bet, so hit it. All right, fellas, you know what that music means. Make, it means we got some fights coming up this weekend. UFC 294. Alexander Volkanovsky stepping in on short notice versus Islam Mahashev. So the first one I'm throwing out there, Joe, I want to start with you on this one. Alexander Volkanovsky to win by decision plus 460. Is that a good bet or a bad bet? Bad bet, and uh, it's a tough one. Good question, Handman. I like the fact that you're leading with this because this card is going to be incredible. ESPN Plus pay-per-view. Remember, it's in the Middle East. It's in Abu Dhabi. I believe the main card starts around, I want to say something like 5 p.m. Eastern. Make sure you check the listings. Uh, main card starts at 2 p.m. Eastern. 2 p.m. Damn, I got T-ball mm. and I got soccer tomorrow. Don't te- Nobody text me. Anyone listening to this, do not text me the results. I'll have to watch the recording. All right, back to the question at hand. Volkanovski taking this fight on late notice. I love Volkanovsky, but remember something about him. He came off that win not too long ago, and everyone asked him if the Mahashev rematch was on the horizon. He said he'd like to, but he's not going to be ready in time. He had to have surgery. He was planning the fight in January. Well, he still had the surgery, but now all of a sudden he's jumping in. I think that might get the best of him here. And I also know some sharp guys who do not believe this fight goes the distance. So Volkanovsky winning by decision, I'd say bad bet. And uh, I would also say bad bet what he said. Yeah. I don't really have no idea. I'm not going to sit here and try to tell you. I have any clue about Volkanovsky in this. I trust Joe implicitly. He hit the overs last night on Kamara. That's good enough for me. It's a bad bet. 
All right, let's go to the college football ranks here, and we'll go with the Tennessee Volunteers being plus nine and a half against the Alabama Crimson Tide. Carlin, good bet, bad bet. You know, I got to say, I think it's probably a good bet. Um, Tennessee does not have the same offensive firepower as when they faced uh, Alabama last year, but I don't expect the Vols to win this game outright. Alabama has played better of late. They're starting to come together a bit. I just have a feeling that this is going to be a tight game. I, Within nine and a half points, I think that's a fair number to go ahead and say that this is a good bet for Tennessee. Reasonable bet, and I'm leaning towards good bet, and let me explain why. I want to take you through it here. Um, this was Alabama minus eight and a half for the last couple days. So there's been some Alabama money that's knocked it up to nine and a half. So if you like Tennessee, you are getting close to the best of the number. But seeing as how it's nine and a half, I would wait. Because if you like Tennessee, there is a chance that more Bama money pushes it up to 10. 10 being a very key number in a game where the total is only 48 points. Okay? Mm. So if it's projected to be a lower scoring game, you have 10 in your pocket. That's extremely valuable. So I would say reasonable bet, but wait. If you like Tennessee, you want to see if you can get the 10. All right, we got a lot of noise around Michigan, fellas. They're playing against a rival in Michigan State. So I'm going to throw this one out there to you. Michigan State on the money line, plus 1350. Good bet, bad bet. Yeah, hey, man, what are you doing bet. here? What are you doing? Come on. Sugar's Michigan State's a disaster. There's a reason why we don't let you do this. <laughs> I mean, whose idea was this? It was mine. We will just throw this one. It was Wilner. It was Wilner. Did you not see what happened against Rutgers last week? The Rutgers okay, juggernaut coming mean? back in the fourth quarter to win that game. That right there, my friend, is a big statement win for the Scarlet Knights. And that is a back-breaking loss for, the, the, for Sparty. I don't know if they can turn around and rebound that quick. What about the, with the points? It's plus 24 for Michigan State. Now you're asking a reasonable question. <laughs> I... <laughs> I, I, I have no play on that one. I would probably – I think Michigan's going to want to send a statement this week, so I, I would say bad bet. See, I don't hate the plus 24. I don't think it's because terrible, yeah. I, I don't hate it because Caten Hauser, who Michigan State played last week uh, at quarterback, got his first start, and he's pretty good. He's not bad at all. And the one thing you really need to take into account when I say that is that Rutgers' defense is, you know, top 30 in the country in virtually everything. So it's a pretty good defense. Caden Hauser is a, is a good quarterback. They have a good couple of weapons. I would take the 24 points. I can't take him on the money line. Money line, bad bet, 24 points. Yeah, I guess a good bet. All right, guys. ESPN Radio, you're home for Major League Baseball playoffs. We got Houston and Texas going game five. Is it a pivotal game five today? Uh, oh, it's cover- pivotal. Oh, it's pivotal. <laughs> Coverage starts yeah. at 430 here on ESPN Radio. So we're going to go to Justin Verlander, Mr. Postseason. Um, he's very close to Andy Pettit and wins, but over 16 and a half outs, minus 115. Justin Verlander, over 16 and a half outs. Joe, is that a good bet or a bad bet? All right, so 16 and a half outs. That's five, that's five innings, and, and then he's got to find a way to get an out in the sixth inning in order for this to go over. Handman, did you say good two bet outs, or bad bet outs, on the 16. under or the over? The over the outs, over the outs. What is it, 15 and a, and a, it's and a half? It's 16 and a half. 16 and 16. a half. Yeah. All right, so five and two-thirds, and now I have to ask this question again because I got sidetracked. Is good bet or bad bet on the over or the under? The over. 
Uh, I would say bad bet. I would lean more to the under here. Um, these guys are quicker to go to the bullpens. Texas has a loaded lineup. Verlander is a big name who's played well in the postseason, but I think there's a little bit of overvaluing that takes place there. His ERA versus his XERA, you always want to study those metrics. If the XERA is higher, that suggests that some regression could be on the horizon. Texas having lost two in a row, I think the offense bounces back. So I think the over on Verlander is a bad bet. God bless you for saying it. Uh, I, I, however, think it is a good bet. And the reason is, uh, it's Dusty Baker who's managing, and it's Justin Verlander. I do think that Dusty Baker is going to give Justin Verlander, especially after they have come back and tied this series up, every benefit of the doubt to get through six innings. I I would be shocked, shocked, if Verlander doesn't go five and two-third, which is what he needs to do here. I would say the over is a good bet for Verlander here. All right, one more for you, fellas. We're going to that Phillies-Diamondbacks game four tonight here on ESPN Radio. Nick Castellanos, plus 420 to hit a home run. Carlin, good bet or a bad bet? Oh, I I like that. That's a good bet. I mean, Castellanos has been killing it. Um, Granted, this is in Arizona, but I still think that, you know, the Phillies still have something cooking, even though they only scored one run uh, yesterday. I I just, for me, I'll take the chance with Castellanos as hot as he has been, as hot as the Phillies have been, because they have been all about the solo home run. Yeah, plus 420, why not? Uh, give me a unit on that. Good bet. Bull, bullpen game for the Arizona Diamondbacks. So I'm wondering, does that mean you end up with some better matchups, some guys that might be loose or some guys that might be tight, some guys that might be nervous, or you can end up with uh, tougher matchups? If you don't get a chance to face a guy the second or t- third time through, I think that hurts your odds just a little bit. So I wouldn't say bad bet, considering how hot he's been and the ball can fly in Arizona due to the altitude. Typical gambler here knowing all these angles. Um, I would like a little bit closer to 5-1. to one. So I wouldn't say I would. God, it's like I'm in the middle on all these. I, I can't even play the game the right way. I'll That's say what happens. Right? I'll I'll I'm a Phillies fan. Good bet. I'm going to put it out there. Good bet. Yeah, it's Hanman serving you up the old screw job across the board. That's God forbid he ask anything, anything of the 10,000 bets I'm going to make this weekend. God forbid any one of those ever make this segment so I can actually agree with something. Hey, we got pizza money coming up. You'll have your chance. Yeah, that's the gambling hey. segment right there. Hey, Joe. This is good bet, bad bet, or middle bet. (laughs) Ask me a question. Go ahead. Uh, What has four thumbs and currently leads the ESPN Radio Pick'em Challenge? Oh, that would be us. These guys. That's right. (laughs) And we make our picks for this weekend. Next, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This is the Carlin vs. Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. versus Joe. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. All right, let's recap last night. We go two and two. We lose .4 units overall since the inception of the show. 44 wins, 37 defeats, one draw. We are up 2.52 units. Pizza money number one. It's game four between the Phillies and the Diamondbacks. We're going to go player prop here. I am shocked this is still priced the way it is. Maybe after I say it here, it's going to change. We'll see. Bryce Harper over half a walk, minus 110. What we need is for Bryce Harper to walk one time in this game, and if he walks one or more, we win the bet. Nine playoff games so far for Bryce Harper. He has walked in seven of them. 
In addition to that, he has a grand total of 11 walks in nine playoff games. With the way Alec Bohm is hitting behind Bryce Harper, or should I say not hitting behind Bryce Harper, why would you take the risk of pitching to this guy in a critical game four? Pizza money number one, Bryce Harper over half a walk, minus 110. It's a team, man. It's a team. One guy can't do it. It takes all of us. ESPN Radio's Pick'em Challenge. Well, once again, I want to remind you that you are currently uh, hearing from the leaders in the ESPN Radio Pick'em Challenge. Uh, We have a one-game lead on Q Myers, and that's impressive for Q, frankly. Let's call it what it is. (laughs) That he's hanging with us? Hey, God bless you, Q. Here are the standings after week six, Joseph Fortenbaugh. Carlin versus Joe, that's us. We are in first place. 14 and 4. 14 and 4. And this is I against believe. the number, ladies and gentlemen. This is not straight yes. up like they do on Monday Night Countdown. God bless everyone on Monday Night Countdown. But this isn't straight up. This is against the number. Yeah. This is called doing it the right way. It's the way we do it. And we are on a scorcher at 14 and 4. Q Myers, hey, game night. Nice run here. 13 yeah. and 5. They're doing a good job. Freddie and Harry, respectable. 12 and 6. Not too bad at all. But then we get to the also rants. Unsportsmanlike. Mm, more like unwinner-like, sitting at <laughs> 9 and 9. You're down the juice. That's not 500. Yeah. You're down the juice there. Yeah. Amber and Ian. Mm, if there's one thing that Amber Wilson hates, it's being wrong. And she's been wrong a lot. They are 7 and 11 right now. Stop. And then bring it up the rear. The old caboose. You may have heard of him. Mike Greenberg. 5 and 13. No truth to the rumor that Greeny was tanking for the number one pick. Why oh is my it? God. Ha- why is it hashtag Greeny? Carlin versus Joe know. isn't hashtag Carlin versus Joe. That's the name. Of I don't the know. Show. It's always been hashtag Greeny. The show's name is hashtag Greeny. Technically, yes. Well, his, his logo, like on on the show and everything, it's hashtag Greeny, and the yeah. hashtag crew. Probably something that's, I shouldn't have said out loud. I mean, it's it's kind of self important on Greeny's part, I would say, wouldn't you? I'm Look, there's a lot of more. You hashtag. know what? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna let these external things distract me. That's the first way you lose. Okay, let's get focused. Let's tighten it up. We're looking to go at least two and one here. I can't get bogged down in hashtags right now. What do we got here? What are we doing? Hey, you brought it up. Lions and Ravens. La- Ravens three point favorites against the Detroit Lions at Baltimore. Your thoughts? Wow, good game. I could go either way on this one. I want to make that clear because you and I will really plan our flag when we're when we're hell-bent on something, and then we'll couch it this way when we're not. I lean a little bit to Detroit here. They've been good. I look at Baltimore. There are a lot of metrics that point to the Ravens being elite defensively. Maybe they are, but look at who they have faced this season. They got C.J. Stroud in his first ever game. They got a banged-up Joe Burrow. They got Gardner Minshew, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, Kenny Pickett, and then Ryan Tannehill and Malik Willis last week. Those numbers are built on the backs of bad quarterbacks. That's not to say the Ravens aren't good, but they might be a bit overrated. I lean towards taking the points here. Yeah, Eileen, heavy Detroit. Heavy okay. Detroit. Uh, Jameer Gibbs back and is going to be taking the heavy load here. 
uh, at running back with the Montgomery injury. But I'm okay with that. I like Jameer Gibbs a lot. And I got to tell you, I think the Ravens are frauds. Oh, oh Ravens okay. are frauds. Easy. I think the Ravens are frauds. And I think you're going to see that this weekend. They have lost a couple of games they had no business losing. I think the Lions have really done a great job to establish themselves in the NFC. I am on Detroit here, so we take the Lions plus three, correct? That is such bad mojo to talk like that. Don't put that out in the universe. Just handicap the game calmly and then move on. The fact that you're calling them frauds, putting it out there. I mean, yeah, we're taking the Lions, but now you're putting bulletin board material out there. What's done is done. (laughs) Lions plus three. Next, Steelers at Rams. Look, what's done is done, Dad. Are you going to invest in our company or not? (laughs) (laughs) That's a solid poll right there. (laughs) Yeah, you set it up nice. Rams minus three uh, against the Steelers. I have to tell you, I have very little faith in what's going on with Pittsburgh right now. I, I do not have a ton of faith there whatsoever. The one thing I will say is that the Rams have no Kyron Williams this week, and the Steelers have been very poor against the run this year. So are the Rams going to be able to run the football without Williams? Physically, I don't know that he can be a number one guy and hold up. And then there's Matthew Stafford. Is he going to chuck it all over the lot? There's where my concerns lie. I would lean Rams here, but that's just me at the moment. Really like the Rams. It's minus three in the pick It's going okay. to move to three and a half. No Pat Fryermuth for Pittsburgh in this game. He's injured with that's the hamstring. Right. The Rams are top 12 in both scoring and scoring defense. The, the Steelers are three and two. They should have lost to the Browns. They should have lost to the Ravens. If they did, they're one and four. And if they're one and four, this spread isn't three. Value in the Rams. All right, we have 45 seconds to give you. So we're taking the Rams minus three, and now the final game. Dolphins at Eagles. Eagles, two-and-a-half-point favorites. Joseph, go. Eagles were minus three on the look-ahead line. Minus two-and-a-half is cheap, in my opinion. Lincoln Financial Field. The Dolphins have been great, but on the road against New England and Buffalo, they struggled on offense compared to their other games. I would lay the two-and-a-half. I, as well, would lay the two and a half points here and feel relatively strongly about that. I think the Dolphins uh, at this point have been fantastic, but I think they have a very, very big challenge in front of them this week. And I'll be interested to see if, in fact, the Eagles can get home with four, because if they can, that is a major, major problem for the Dolphins offense. So Eagles minus two and a half. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.